Welcome to Transformation Nation with your hosts, Jason Krantz and Jordan Morrow. Whether in your personal life, family, career, or more, each of us has the power to transform. Our episodes are designed to help empower everyone to transform into the person that they want to be. Jump into this episode to learn how you can become who you want to become. Hey everybody, how you doing? Jason Krantz here, here with my good friend Jordan Morrow. Jordan, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing really well. How about you, my friend? I'm doing as well as we can during these crazy times. It's, uh, you know, I am saying it's kind of a blessing in disguise because, you know, uh, this whole podcast is something that we've been throwing around as an idea for a while. And um, it's kind of given us the time to to bring this vision to to reality and kind of give people a sense of what we were thinking about and putting this together, you know, what they're going to get out of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting that when we're living in a time when everything is shut in, one of the things that isn't shut down is our personal development. Like you said, this idea of just shooting ideas back and forth, having a podcast to spread our thoughts and ideas like we do on LinkedIn, but to do it from a, a, an audio perspective where people can use it in different channels uh, this is not ne- not necessarily forced our hand to do it, but given us a chance to do something we've been talking about for a while. And I, I think that uh, it's going to be fun and hopefully very informative for the audience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you just talking about how we met initially at LinkedIn, quick story about how that came to be. Uh, it was about almost two years ago, exactly. Uh, I was writing about this crazy thing called data literacy, and I put this article out. And just by chance, somebody forwarded you my article. And we just kind of got talking and I got to read your content and I love the voice, love the clarity that you brought to the topic of data and analytics and data literacy. And you, you present really powerful concepts very well online, but really it's talking to you, hearing your voice. And it's just, you know, the, the nuances of, of hearing it is different. So that's where for me, it got me really excited because um, you know, we've had numerous great conversations and I'm just really excited to, you know, just help other people with this idea of transformation because it is exceptionally powerful. Um, kind of on that note, um, tell people who you are and, and what you do and what you're about. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jordan Morrow, and, and in my career, my role is global head of data literacy um, and, and nickname is that chief nerd officer. You know, my, me personally, <laughs> I, I am as nerdy as they come, but I like it that way, right? I, I'm a a big fan of mathematics, statistics, and all those things. But really, from a career perspective, uh, I work in this field of data literacy, and I was lucky enough to be one of, if not the pioneer, who really helped start this movement. And it really stemmed from this idea that not everyone needs to be that data scientist that we hear about pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere. But everyone needs, in our day and age, to have a comfort level and a confidence level in using data or being able to find insights in data, so on and so forth. And that doesn't necessarily just mean from a career perspective. I fully believe that these skills transfer into a personal life, right? When you're buying a home, trying to figure out like right now we're in the the COVID-19 crisis and all this, being able to understand data. And I agree with one of the things you said earlier that it's one thing to sit there and read an article or be on LinkedIn and see someone post something, et cetera. But it's another to hear people talk about it. And I'm a big believer that through public speaking, through the power of conversation, whether you're actively in it or you're actively listening to the conversation and writing notes down. By the way, all listeners, please write notes down because what's going to happen is ideas will pop into a person's head around data and analytics, around whatever. 
And as they pop into your head, those ideas can be kind of personal insight mm-hmm. for you as whether it's your career or whatever. And that word again, transformation, as I think you and I have talked about, that's really what this podcast is about, whether it's data and analytical transformation for businesses, whether it's about personal transformation in your life, career development transformation, all of that. Hopefully uh, through this podcast that we're doing, individuals will have this ability to find that insight that can improve their life or job in one way or another. I love that. And you know, you hit on something I think is, is, is exceptionally important to note here in that you think that the work that you're doing for transformation in business or life or your personal relationships or anything like that it, it are in discrete buckets. But I have observed, and I'm hearing you say the same thing, that there's actually a tremendous amount of applicability in themes across those areas. And that, you know, the, the lessons that you learn in kind of, you know, business management or relationship management they can apply in other areas there. And I think that's very powerful because it can be overwhelming to look at transformation and change as kind of this siloed activity where you can only get better in relationships or you can only get better in this. But yeah, I've observed that they, that they have, that they cross those boundaries. Is that what you've seen? hundred percent. I get, I don't want to say frustrated, but maybe that is the word very like I, I, I get, I hate it when people think, too binary, right? It's either or. Mm -hmm. First is what I do here may affect five, six, seven, eight different aspects of my life. Let me, let me give a personal example. Like doing, I never really fully introduced myself, I don't think, but from like a personal perspective. uh, And I know you're the same way. We we love to get after it from a fitness perspective. Yeah. Uh, I love my trail running. I love running in the mountains. I love ultra marathons. I cross train on a spin bike. I love yoga. But I, these ultra marathons, if you think about what goes into the training of an ultra marathon, right? Whether you're running a 50K, which is about 31 miles to 100 miler, et cetera, so much training and work has to go into it. But if that work only benefited just that race, that to me would be such a loss. But if you think about what fitness does for you, it's not binary. It's not, I trained for this, it will only benefit this. It's, I trained for this but I have better energy throughout my day, which then translates into my career work where I'm more energetic, more passionate throughout my day. It helps with maybe the nutrition that I put into my body so that I'm able to complete 100 miles by having better nutrition. Am I as lethargic as I normally would be? Um, Do I have the proper energy? All these things. I think far too often we, we bucket things. We silo them down way too much into these disparate Things. And this is something you see across organizations like you and I, our careers span the field of data and analytics. How often are we talking to companies who have put data and analytics into different buckets that yep. really don't speak to each other throughout the organization, right? <laughs> and and if that right there, then you walk into these companies and you say, we've got, we've got to build strategy. We've got to do this and that. And you just look at the mess that just sits in front of you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I'm looking at right now. And hopefully this is our job. This is what we enjoy doing is helping companies transform, but so much could be avoided in careers and organizations and in life with data and analytics or other things. If we just get out of this either or mindset um, that so many things in life are not either or. And I think that's what we have to figure out. I think, I think you hit on something that I'm exceptionally passionate about in the analytics space. And that is exactly what you said that analytics is like this afterthought. It's like, it's, it is a binary thing. Like we have analytics or we don't. 
I've seen a lot of companies that do this. They could just check the box and that to your point to do it effectively. I love your training analogy because it's great. And I laugh because we are on the polar opposite ends of the training spectrum. I don't know how you do what you do. You know, I'm, I'm short, intense, hit it hard and get out. But, but, you know, to, to get to the training before I move on to the analytics thing is you're right. When I train right, you sleep better, you eat better. I am vastly more energy. I'm more focused. I get things done better. But more importantly, you have a sense of accomplishment. It's like I have done something. I've, I, you know, there's the term eat the frog. I've eaten the frog and that like you, you get out and you get that morning running. You've accomplished something significant to start your day or during the course of your day. And that's a win. I'm a big believer in the term of win the day, that if you can win five out of the seven days in the week, you're, you're going to win in the long run, right? And whatever that is, however you define winning. But um, pivoting to that analytics example, like you were saying, is that when you do analytics and data and all this other stuff right, it can benefit strategy. It can benefit sales, supply chain, you know, logistics, whatever it is, all these different areas. And, and I know for a lot of entities that tend to look at analytics with more of a IT centric lens, um, I think that's an error. I think that firms really need to be looking at kind of the analytical and data side of the equation as more of a strategic resource to help identify and execute on opportunities better. better. Yeah. The, the analogy I love, like when I'm talking to somebody that isn't really in the data and analytics space, you know, I use this analogy. It's like, let's say you're going fishing. Imagine if you could get somebody to tell you, what do you want to catch? Oh, I want to catch pike. Okay, you're going to go out to these exact coordinates. You're going to use this lure. You're going to use this bait. You're going to drop it down 50 feet. And you're going to catch something after five minutes. How awesome would that be? Now, it takes some of the fun out of fishing, but the point is, imagine if you could get that targeted and knowing exactly yeah. where to get what you wanted. You want EPICTA? Here's where you go get it. You need revenue? Here's what you go get it. And, and it's funny because I've observed a lot of people laugh like this is some kind of black magic or voodoo, and, and this stuff works. I, I, I've lived it. I know that you have seen it too. Now, it's not easy. Like any kind of change transformation, it's not easy, but if you're willing to put in the effort, devise a strategy and execute on it well, it is entirely feasible. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. One of the things that organizations and individuals need to understand is that when an organization or an individual is trying to take on some sort of data and analytic work, by, by isolating data and analytics, let's say you hire a bunch of specialists who are good at that, but then you just isolate them into a corner and say you're your own team that sits over there versus allowing mm -hmm. data and analytics to truly permeate throughout your organization. Like we could go back and forth on this with the fitness side of things. I mean, it, it's just a, such a prime example, but maybe I'll turn to sports, right? Let's, let's talk about sports on this. You look at Moneyball, which made famous by the movie, by the book, et cetera. And of course, the good looking Brad Pitt. But <laughs> the, the, the reality is when you look at this, right, we're, we're taking a look and saying, all right, if we just used statistics and data to understand first base, but we left every other position player out, what is that going to do for us? Sure. Not much. So when an organization says, hey, data and analytics, you're a part of IT and that's it. No, what we need is to make sure that this is why data literacy is such an important topic, right? Is because if you can empower everybody in the organization, not necessarily to be technical, that's not what I'm saying, not to be able to do the statistics, it's mm -hmm. not what I'm saying. But if you can empower everybody in the organization to sit there and say to themselves, you know what, 
I wonder if I look at this in this way, if I can get more insight. To your point, I wonder if I look at it this way. Let me go pull my friend over here who does know how to do the technical stuff. Yep. I'm going to pull them into this, this problem and see what they say. Oh, they've pinpointed X, Y, and Z. Now, this also means being able to say that sometimes X, Y, and Z won't work, but it doesn't mean it wasn't the right answer. Sure. It just means there's anomalies and things like that, but you're spot on. Like, this is something that's, it's not voodoo. We're, we're not sitting here, you know, sitting there smoking something and saying, here's some magic that's going to nope. happen. This is the ability to concretely use data and analytics to make smarter decisions. And this also means we're not eliminating the human mm -hmm. element. The human element might be one of the most important pieces because they in the end are going to be the ones pulling the decisions. Mm -hmm. But you, you, have to, you have to build this right. If we don't, then that's why companies right now who invest millions of dollars into data sourcing, tools, et cetera, they're not getting the ROI that they think they should be. And so it, it, we have to figure out better strategies like your organization, Strategy Titan, we, we've got to be able to figure out better transformations. How do we get the culture to absorb this? This is all a part of what, well, I'm nerdy, so I think it's fun, but a, a fun process, yeah. right, of, of building solutions. Yeah. You know, like, may, I, may I have uh, permission to share a quick story? Because I have spent a lot of years in the trenches building kind of these greenfield capabilities and and I have a lot of battle scars. So so can will you humor me for a few minutes? <laughs> Oh, 100%. Right, cool. So, so kind of to your point, a lot of times when I had a job, and, and this is to really to, to, to kind of elaborate on the point, my observations of, of your comments there, because I do agree. A lot of times I had a job because the company was like, listen, we need analytics. And, and these are companies, some of them were in turnaround mode. Some of them just had really lofty growth goals, and they knew that they couldn't get there through the traditional means of just kind of brute forcing your way through it. And they couldn't outsource it. They needed to bring in these capabilities in-house so that they became part of the DNA of the company. And so as we go in there, you know, um, a lot of times there was nothing in place. And what I observed is a lot of times, and I laugh about it and I joke about it and I say this in, in good spirits is that, yeah, the FPNA group was typically, um, you know, I was, when I was interviewing, they'd be like, Hey, well, we basically do this stuff. And it'd be like, well, you do, but you don't Not really. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. so, but, but as we were kind of articulating the plan, um, one of the key, key things I absolutely believed hundred percent in is that the analytics team had to be in the business. And by that, I mean, you know, one of my earlier runs, we were based in sales. We were basically like sales and sales ops front lines on the battlefield with sales and marketing and working with operations. And this was, you know, it got up to about a $2 billion company. So, you know, pretty big, pretty big company. Um, and then another organization, it was in marketing. Now, the reason why I share that is because I have observed that there's a lot of cultural change that goes into driving, um, I guess, acceptance of the tools. And you brought into so this is get to your point of you could spend millions of dollars on the best flux capacitor in the world. But if you do not have somebody there as kind of boots on the ground to help facilitate that and build trust in the process and the tool and everything about it, I, I will say with confidence, you will fail. People Now, IT might look at it and be like, yeah. well, we got all the connectors and all the systems and everything there. But really, go talk to your end business users. And that's, that's why, for me, it's so important for us as analytics professionals to have a very customer-centric view of, Hey, Mr. Salesman, how can analytics help you 
make better calls, hit your numbers, crush your numbers. Hey, marketing person, how can we help you run better programs, fill the funnel? Hey, Mr. Executive, how can we help you identify and execute better on strategies? And that really, to your point, this brings it back full circle to your idea of data literacy and that this is a journey a lot of organizations are going through. And I think if we were further along in the, da- or in the um, data literacy maturity cycle, um, there'd be less of a need for kind of those frontline advocates in the analytics world. However, we are where we are. And the reality is, is that if your analytics team isn't front and center with that business on a daily basis, being able to drive strategy, and more importantly, have the street cred where they trust them and they're willing to listen to them and have respectful disagreements on strategy, um, then I think you're, you're leaving a lot of potential on the table with your analytics initiatives. Yeah, and, and wait, 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 Jess, you, you're telling me there's no easy button? Ah, it's a bit crazy. I know, I know, controversial, <laughs> I know, but, you know, um, it, it's vendors sell it, vendors sell it, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but vendors sell it is just do this, and you have analytics. And Oh, compl- I share that <laughs> all the time, that one of the reasons that we're in the data literacy skills gap that we have is the fact that vendors would p- say, hey, here's your full analytic yeah. solution. We know that's not true, but that, that's what salespeople are good at. And again, not knocking on things. This has been vendors across sure. spectrums. It's not, I mean, this is life in general. Use this toothpaste, you're cured. <laughs> Use this medicine, everything is good. Do this fitness regime, you're there. No, they're journeys. And I think this journey is, is the necessity. Now, I'm now, see, this is one of the good things that's going to come out of this podcast, hopefully, is you and I can riff off each other so well. But one of the things we haven't done is heard your introduction. We heard you've got some battle scars. Why don't you give your background a little bit here? Why don't you share a little bit about you and, and your journey in the day? Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yeah. So Jason Krantz, CEO and founder of Strategy Titan. Um, we are a data and analytics advisory uh, firm, and we also do economic and labor and market insight products. Very, very powerful stuff. You know, um, just kind of digging into that for a second. One of the fundamental challenges I saw in the market intelligence space was a lot of your narratives focus on the national narrative, but there's a big gap in kind of that, that local narrative. So uh, if you go to, let's say, manufacturing, you can get national narratives from a lot of sources. But what if you want the Chicagoland manufacturing market or, you know, the, the West Coast wholesale trade market? Um, a lot of gaps there. And so what we do is we, we take a lot, a lot of this, um, some of it's publicly available data, uh, other data sources that we get from partnerships. And we use our data science skills to kind of you know, cook up models and different things to create really proprietary information products. And then using our obsessive focus on kind of businesses and helping them run better, more profitable businesses, um, we, we kind of put together these really easy to understand products that give leaders the information that they need to make better, more informed decisions with confidence. And so... Um, and as you said, is that I, I've spent a lot of time in the data and analytics space, stood up a lot of analytics uh, teams, um, hired a lot of people and, you know, had to, to train a lot of different people. One of the big challenges I always had is being in the Chicagoland market. I was frequently competing with uh, much bigger and extremely well-known names for talent. Um, and a lot yep. of times uh, when I had that, uh, I, I can proudly say I was eight for eight. Uh, and the ones that I directly hired, I won, I won all of them. I won't give away my secret sauce, or maybe maybe that'll be a, another episode uh, on my playbook there. But yeah, it's really the idea of 
Um, as I tell our clients, listen, when you go to a restaurant and you order sausage, you don't ask how it's made. You just order it and you expect it to come out on the table. And that's really what we're doing. We, we yeah. go to understand what are you trying to accomplish from a strategic perspective? What are you, what are you looking for? You know, share growth. Are you looking for revenue growth, EBITDA growth? And then by understanding that, um, having been so business centric for so many years, we have a pretty reliable, a pretty reliable playbook um, in view on what are the best ways to pull those levers. So, you know, it's like my personal favorite is if we're going in somewhere and they want to do any kind of revenue or EBITDA growth. The first thing we look at is total cost to serve for your customer base and price management. Um, pricing is the most potent profit lever a company has to pull. Um, and so with that, you know, it's kind of bringing, bringing the theory, the, the, the theoretical benefit of data and analytics and making it practical, real, and accessible and trying to remove as much of that complexity as possible. Um, because I, I like simplicity. I it's just, I'm very pro simplicity. Yeah. I'm um, with you, man. Well, and, and, and one thing I'd love to touch upon just real quick, and then we'll, we'll just let you keep going. Cause you sound amazing. But the, the reality is I love one thing you mentioned in there that I hope all of our listeners, listeners pay especially careful to, and that is, it's not a one size fits all there. Sure. We can have playbooks and, and, and everything, but when we go industry to industry, company to company, region to region, even city to city, the playbook can shift. And, and we don't, some of the, unfortunately, some of the bigger companies, to your point, trying to fight for talent, trying to build the right strategy. I see it in my work. I travel the world and I work all over the world within data and analytics that some of the bigger companies have a one size fits all. And it, it's going to run into major issues. And that's where people just need to realize that let's, let's build a journey. Let's build a journey for data and analytics, not a quick one size, easy button because it's, it's not going to work. Anyway, continue on. I, I really no, want no, to I think, I think that. that so actually let me pause talking about myself because I want to, I want to hear more about your thought there. Cause I think it's a very solid thought. Why do you, why do you think the companies gravitate towards that one size fits all? I think, I think I, I have an idea, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah. My, my ideas on this is one, it's ingrained into their mindset and culture, right? That this is the way business has been done mm -hmm. for a long time. It's you go to the big boys, you get a certain product, you fit the product into your culture, not by looking at your culture, see if the product will fit. That's an inverse that people need to start thinking is don't take a product and force fit mm -hmm. it onto the culture. Uh, but I think we've become so reliant on and trusting that, hey, they built this, I can rely on it. And it's, it's easier for a company that is releasing these solutions to build a one-size-fits-all versus releasing to people um, a more yeah. customized approach. And in data and analytics – to me, that's, that's the key to it is the moment you think that, let's say I'm, I'm in the retail space and this big company is, is selling this one size fits all and they say, hey, it worked in this manufacturing uh, space. Great. It worked over there. It could work. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Manufacturing, retail, maybe there's some similarities, but come on. And, and, and this is something you see actually talking about data analysis itself. <laughs> you can analyze that people try and fit things into buckets because that's how it was yeah. in a different bucket. And so you try and fit the mold versus challenging the assumptions. 
And when it comes to data and analytics, one of the, the, the number one things we should be doing is yes. challenging the assumption. And you'll see some of the companies that I'm working with will say, Jordan, we didn't like the one size fits all. Hallelujah. Let's customize something for you. And I think that that is such a big key is people need to understand that the old way of doing things, which mm -hmm. is the one size fits all, will not necessarily propel us to success in the future. And we need to start to hone that different mindset now versus versus 10 years from now when guess what? You might be obsolete. I love that. You, you know, like one of the things that I've observed and kind of, you know, having started my company a little bit less than a year ago, but having the opportunity to talk to many business leaders is some of them are intimidated by the process. It's like something they've never bought before. Um, now, this is the customers that we're going after um, and the people that we're talking to. Uh, a lot of this data and analytics stuff is new to them. And one of the big challenges is, and, 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 and while I, I disagree with it, you'll hear me say this a lot over the course of this podcast. While I disagree with the mindset, uh, I can certainly 100% understand it. And that is a lot of companies have been very successful throughout their careers and existence running businesses without data and analytics. But now, yeah. in light of just just evolution of industries in general, but I think also too kind of the current state of uh, the current situation, it's mandating that, hey, you know what? Those piles of money that you had sitting around your plant or your organization for years, you need to start picking those up now. And I don't say that in a derogatory sense at all, uh, but, but most companies – they get into this flow, right? And, and this is getting back to the theme of transformation because it's so easy personally from a leadership perspective and even businesses do this to just get in just that state where you're just, you're just doing what you do. It's just day in, day out. And you're, you're, you're maybe passing on opportunities to, to make some of that magic happen. And so, you know, as we're talking to business leaders, a lot of this, you know, transformational opportunity, I think this has really shaken them up to really start looking at this and say, hey, you know what? I need to start doing this. And kind of to bring it back to your point is that you can get good solutions, like kind of custom solutions out of these different analytical platforms for, for really, you know, a, a reasonable investment. And that's one of the things that I, I noticed, you know, kind of in the big box, uh, I guess, yeah, the big guy sector is that in order to get a project off the ground, a lot of times it's a lot of money and licenses, you're, you've got all these other fees and infrastructure that's going into it. It can be very expensive. Yep. And it's a hurdle to them kind of getting that project or initiative or transformation off of the ground. And that's where we're going in to say to them, guys, start small. Yep. Start with an easy pilot, right? Get, get that really get that entry-level sales analytics platform off the ground to get the process of transformation going. Because to, to think that these guys that have been very successful – over the years are magically going to see the value of an analytics initiative or program and invest, you know, a million or $2 million out of the gate without having some idea of that return is, is I think preposterous. Um, yeah. Yep. Well, and, and that's the thing too, is there's this, just this inherent trust that if I spend a lot is. of money with this big shop, there it is. I'm going to get big results. And, and that, that right there is, is not the case. How many times do we see that some of these big projects that they hoped would take off because they spent a lot of money with one of the big shops and then you're just like, what, what fruit yeah. did you really bear from this? Like 
did it, did it tackle it? And one of the things that I like to is this analogy in my mind. Think about a tree. Did the project attack the roots mm-hmm. or did it attack the branches? Because if it attacked the branches, you're going to see symptoms of success, but then they're going to waste away because the roots were not tackled properly. And this is that transformation. And if our listeners haven't picked up on our theme um, of the podcast, it is transformation. And it's, if you think about it, this is, is so important that when we think of data and analytic transformation or personal transformation, what we are tackling is the root, not the branch, because we, we want to tackle the source and not the symptom. And if we do that correctly, true transformation can occur. Uh, it's like that fisherman who is told, if you do this, 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 mm-hmm. you're catching what? the fish. That is not the... Oh, I was just saying the symptom is catching the fish, but the reason you were successful is you changed. I love it, man. I, I, that, that is, I've never heard it put like that, but that is an essentially crisp and clear way of putting it. And I'm, I'm actually going to borrow that. I'll be sure to give you uh, credit for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so let me ask you this, You're good. Because I, I really do enjoy talking to you and, and hopefully, uh, you know, our, our, our listeners are, are getting that sense of who you are and what you're about, but Kind of give us what is kind of your overall theme in, in business and life. I think we've heard some of it in transformation, but, you know, as I always say, th- there's more to us than the business side. And I think people are getting a sense of that for you. The, yes, yes, you are Jordan, the, the godfather of data literacy, but you're, you're also a father. You're also a runner. You're also all these other things. So what are those overarching themes? It, it's, it really boils down to a couple. One uh, as corny as it sounds, is bringing as much love and happiness as I can to everybody. And I know that sounds corny or cliche, but if you think about it, I love data and analytics. So there's a passion behind what I do for organizations and people in data and analytics. I know it can make people happy. I know it can make your job better, more powerful. So can I help you there? When I look at helping people, when I coach people in their lives or in their careers, how can I help you develop so you're happy? So for me, you're right. It's transformation, but it it's really how do I help everybody truly become the best that they can? And I believe it does start with me. If I'm not good internally myself, yeah. how can I help others succeed? It's the foundation of if I don't know data literacy, yeah. how do I help you know data literacy? If I don't know fitness, how do I help you know fitness? And I'm all about pushing my limits, seeing what we could do. Like there's a great story if you've seen the movie free solo alex honnold uh he free soloed el capitan but he talks about how someone i think said to him basically how do you get out of your comfort zone or whatever and he said i don't see it as getting out of my comfort zone i see it as expanding Mm -hmm. my comfort zone growing the borders of my comfort zone i fully believe in that neil degrasse tyson is another one that i love to learn from and he said once as the knowledge or, or the area of our knowledge expands So does the perimeter of our (laughs) ignorance. And for me, the way I look at that phrase is if my my goal in helping people truly become who they can become, pushing their comfort zone to get get bigger, pushing their area of knowledge and understanding that the perimeter of ignorance is not a bad thing. It just means you have more knowledge to gain. That to me is is a passion, is a mission. So it comes through hopefully in my public speaking. Hopefully I'm empowering people with data literacy and analytical strategic thinking that, again, it's not binary. When I say from a data and analytics success perspective, don't tackle the symptoms, which would be the branches, change the source. I'm telling you the exact same thing for your personal life. If you want to beat 
um, uh, bad eating habits or whatever the thing may be that you're trying to develop? Are you attacking the symptom, which would be I just like to eat cookies? Or are you attacking the source? Is there something else that needs to be done? And I think that that reverberates throughout everything we can do career-wise or personal life-wise. So that to me, yeah. it's passion. It's love. Yeah, it's you know what? You, things. Yeah. You, you said something here in terms of transformation equals growth. Growth typically involves discomfort. And, and I, I, you yep. know, sports was a huge part of my life. Like, so I use a lot, you'll hear me use a lot of sports analogies, but I'll never forget. And I use this anytime something gets hard in life for me is that, um, you know, there's, there's one workout in particular, uh, we did in, in college. It was called the, the it was the death March. We called it, and I'll just give you the quick workout. So it was a sprinter. So we did, you know, 15 seconds as far as you can rest a minute. And then you sprint 80 meters as far as you can. It doesn't sound like much, but it will kill, it will kill you. Um, and so we did this and we did two reps, 45 minutes in between. And so we did the first one and you're just, you're feeling like hell. You just feel like garbage. And then my coach would always say, he's like, you feel like hell, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, this is when the workout starts. And, and it was the idea that, exactly. and I mean, it was so simple, but it's like, you know, now when I'm working out, it's like when you're doing all the stuff and it's uncomfortable, you're already, you're already used to that. You're not growing. You're just maintaining. It's when things hurt. It's when things get hard. It's when you hit that adversity that you're growing and learning to your point, expanding the bounds, right? You're, you're, you're mentally, emotionally, physically, yeah. spiritually, whatever it is, you're growing there. And so a lot of times people quit when they're at that point that they're actually starting to achieve growth because it's uncomfortable. Right. And I think yeah. that that's very, I think it's, oh, it's a lot of people, uh, and I'm not saying this as a knock at all. I discovered this uh, through uh, by accident over years of training and having smart people train me how to handle that pain. And that's kind of one of my my goals here is to get people to to understand that. Listen, things are things are hard, and it's not to say that you know um, there's anything good about that. But understand from that pain, from that adversity comes growth if you leverage it appropriately and see it for the opportunity it is. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that, that old saying, take that leap of faith, right? Where take the leap of faith into the dark, and that's where you'll find out the path was lit a little bit more, but you had to yeah. take that leap of faith to get there. And so it, and, and this goes throughout everything, and that's why I think this podcast is going to be so fun because we're going to be able to tackle topics. And, and I'm trying to make sure <laughs> you and I could riff for hours, and I don't think people want to listen to us for hours. We're trying, audience, to make these about 30 to 45 minutes long, and I – I'm conscientious of that, but I think we're going to be bringing to this podcast topics of data and analytics, strategy, personal transformation. I mean, we could have a whole episode talking about that death march. I love that idea, right? Let's let's kill ourselves in fitness. I I could have an episode on running an ultra, but it's it's this ability to your point that can we expand people's comfort zone just enough that the next day they're able Mm -hmm. to push themselves even more, and then we expand it a little more. So that the comfort becomes being comfortable, being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. And that, love that's that, a man. massive the day, part of just who I am. Just a little bit better every day, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, this is, this is going to be awesome. I hope people have enjoyed our first episode. And, and hopefully we can uh, we'll keep bringing some good, some good ideas and thoughts to people. And, hey, pleasure talking to you, audience. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this. Um, please let us know. 
what do you want us to be talking about? Uh, we, we've got a lot of different topics uh, on the docket. If you're not connected with us on LinkedIn already, we are both open yeah. books, ready to connect with anybody. Reach out to us, connect with us, talk to us. We'd love your ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you guys could probably tell already, uh, Jordan, Jordan and I are both very interested in helping other people succeed. For me, uh, I, I really genuinely like seeing other people succeed and helping them succeed. I know you're the same way. And that's really kind of the goal of this is us tag teaming this together because, you know, we bring different perspectives, even though we have a lot of similarities, uh, we, we have a lot of differences too. And I think in those differences comes the magic. And, and hopefully like uh, Jordan said before, if we can even connect with one of you or influence your life in some positive way, that is a win in our book and we are accomplishing our objective. Thanks so much for joining us today on another episode of Transformation Nation. Please take the time to connect with both of us, reach out through our social channels, and start taking those first steps towards not only transforming yourself, but empowering everyone to become who they want to be. Until next time, this is Jason and Jordan. Go dominate, my friends.